Discovering Voices, Building Worlds, The Ampliverse. Welcome to the Autistic Delicatessen. What you eat, what you drink, is your story. You know, variety is a spice of life. Food is often people's first experience of a new culture. Culture. Welcome to the Autistic Delicatessen. Season 4. Welcome to the Autistic Delicatessen. I'm your host, Larnell, and filling in for Oni is Belki, a food blogger and content creator. Our podcast provides a selection of stories with various food personalities and restaurants around the world. Every food tells a story. Larnell is an autistic adult, and I am a mom of a son who's autistic. We both share in our great love of food, and what better way to express that than by finding guests involved in the food industry, along with talking about things related to food and their stories. Today's guests are Sandy and Pat of the conscious folk duo Emma's Revolution. For 20 years, they've written songs of social activism and peace. And on the side, they've made holiday toffees called Sweet Revolution, which are homemade. So stay tuned for our conversation along with a song from them that should be exciting. But first, let's talk about holiday treats. So Belki, we're coming into the holiday season and... I'm going to go into a little bit of autistic echolalia right now. Because I remember a Publix commercial back in the day called Holidays Are Coming, Holidays Are Coming. <laughs> it's just, you have a son who's autistic. So if you ever hear echolalia from him, just know that that's what yeah. it is. It's just yeah. repeating from what they see or hear on television or on the radio or something. But I think of that and I think about holiday treats because you go to the store, you find gingerbread cookies, you find just special cakes, cupcakes with like red and green. With you growing up, have you ever gotten into holiday treats? Well, yes, but believe it or not, because even though I was born and raised most of the time here in America, I was raised also in the Dominican Republic where I am, you know, my parents are from. So the interesting part about that is that I feel like I have like this mixture of Dominican and American. But when it comes to holiday treats, it's all Dominican. So for us, it's more like we'll have like a, a, I don't know if you know what flan is. Oh, yeah, flan, yeah. (laughs) But we call it, in Dominican Republic, we call it quesillo. So that's a huge one for us. So you make it, it's very simple to make, very easy. You make it the day before you leave it in the refrigerator. So I would say that's the top treat that we always like to have. And then after that, it's it depends. Like it depends on what you're cooking, what goes with what you're cooking. But for the most part, we always have to have that sweet treat of flan. That's it. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember growing up sometimes at holiday gatherings, there would be fruitcake. I don't know if you ever had fruitcake. Oh, we don't do fruitcake in DR, but my husband's family, who is American, they do fruitcake. And they do like all sorts of different pies and all that. And I try them, but I'm not like a big sweet person. And I love the flan, which is what we call castillo, only because it's sweet, but it's not that sweet. But when it comes to my husband's family, yes, they do. They do the fruitcake and it's not bad. I I just, it's just not my cup of tea, but I don't want to insult like my (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-law. Because you don't want to get into those like type of debates with the in-laws. It's just like, Yeah, Yeah, I just take a little bit, you know, you kind of take a little piece and then you eat it really slowly and then you kind of throw out the rest if you don't really are into it. I'm going, this is not good. (laughs) 
like, like certain times, like I feel like I like those Christmas cookies that have like the um frosting with the like red and green at times, or just like the gingerbread cookies. Sometimes it'll be the gingerbread houses, and you would have those type of things. Yeah. But the one thing I skip on is the candy canes because I remember I had those when I was a kid. But I'm not really too much into candy canes because yeah. they're like peppermint type stuff. Yeah. It's just unless they're unless they're mixed in the milkshakes, that would be very or good. Or in chocolate. Have you had the ones that are like in the chocolate bar? So you're not getting a ton of it, but you're but you're also getting like, you know, it's like the big chocolate piece and yeah. piece of it. That I can handle a lot more. But going back to the cookies, my mother-in-law makes the most amazing Christmas cookies, you would say. It's like these shortbread cookies. And uh, now that we live in Arizona and they're all, the, my, my husband's family's in Pennsylvania, she actually mails us like a big canister of cookies, of all the cookies that she makes. Ah. She mails it to us every year now that we're here. Because back then she, you know, you would go for either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and she'd have that canister ready for you with all the cookies for all the kids and then they would take it home. And she does make an amazing cookie, really. There's something about pies, you know, because there could be like peach pie and sometimes it could be sweet potato pie. But that's just something to where you can have it like on my end. That's what I've had in past yeah. holiday type stuff. So yeah. I don't know if you ever had a sweet potato pie, Belky, but I don't know. You could say that's kind of like a black type of dessert in some ways it kind of is but my my husband's family is white and they have it oh okay yeah so it's it's interesting that they have it um and i'm dominican we don't really eat pie um but yeah i know right isn't that weird we don't make pie i guess because if you think about it the dominican is really hot Uh uh-huh so baking it's like you don't want to bake when you're in an island and it's hot already like to be sweet <laughs> that are baking. <laughs> not so good. So most of our stuff is is more like uh for example like a a corn pudding. That's something that we would have as a dessert. So you you make this whole corn thing. I actually have it on my blog. And then you cook it, you get it ready, you put it in this individual little cups, you put it in the refrigerator. And then the next day you put a little bit of dusted cinnamon on top and they're absolutely insanely delicious. They're cold. So, you know, that's kind of like how the Caribbean is. Like you want to get yourself feeling cooler. And I ah. think as in America, we're a little cold. We want to make ourselves feel warmer. Think of like, um, let's say a jello, right? That kind of consistency, but it's actually like a corn mixed with like coconut milk, condensed milk. It's actually really, really delicious and nutmeg. And it's, it's all like, it, it's not hard, but it's, it's not like easy to like, you know, just go like this and, and get it out the container. So it's, um, you know, I wish, well, you know what, go to the website, to the blog and you'll see it there. And it's so easy to make. It's, it's what's crazy about it. It's super simple. You can make it the day ahead, save some time the next day. Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And speaking of that, Belky, we're going to go ahead and get into our guest, Sandy and Pat of Emma's Revolution, and talk about their holiday toffees. And have you ever had a toffee before? Yes, I have. And I love them. I've had them in the Jersey Shore. They sell them on the boardwalk. Oh, really? So so on the boardwalk, they actually have different types of toffees? Yes, they have stores that they make them right there. And they have the machines that are making it and you can watch it. It's really cool. So I'm excited for this interview. Oh, man. That makes me think, Bill, yeah, I, I should go to New Jersey sometime. <laughs> oh, go to New Jersey? Sure. Walk around the boardwalks, man. You're going to love it. I promise you. <laughs> All right. So here's Sandy and Pat. Mm-hmm. 
Sandy and Pat of Emma's Revolution, welcome to the Autistic Delicatessen. Hey, Larnell, thank you so much for having us. Yes, welcome, ladies. Now, before we get into your music, we have to talk about these holiday toffees that you had called Sweet Revolution. So how did you first come up with the idea for that? Well, you know, I had a recipe that I got many years ago because I just really like toffee. And it's English. Sometimes people get toffee and taffy mixed up. But toffee is sort of like Heath Bar. You know, if you had Heath Bar Crunch ice cream or something like that, it's that really kind of caramely but crunchy. It has nuts in it. It's made from sugar and butter and walnuts. And then we cover it with a, a really, really nice fair trade organic chocolate. It's coated on both sides with chocolate. And then we sink some toasted almonds into this, both sides of it. So it's just this really rich, delicious candy. So I just loved making that for me. And I would make it during the winter holidays when we weren't working as much. And I had time to do something that took a lot of steps, you know, and um, we would send it out to our friends just as holiday gifts. And then and there was one holiday season. So Pat mentioned that we were not busy so much in the holidays. We are activist musicians. We write songs and we sing about justice issues. And when the holidays come around, everyone wants to sing holiday songs, even though it's called the season of peace, that people don't want to sing about peace necessarily, or they don't think they want to. And so we really needed something to do. So we decided, let's offer these Sweet Revolution treats through our website. And because we have a, you know, we have a really lovely email list of folks who followed Pat for years and then us for years after I started performing with Pat. And we started taking orders for it. And after that first holiday season, I guess maybe during, as soon as people got the little box in their mailbox and opened it up for the holidays and started eating it, we got these notes from people saying, oh my God, I really don't want you to stop playing music, but if you had to, you should go into candy making. <laughs> so that was probably 15 years ago. And now we, long time ago. you know, in the last couple of years, uh, I think our biggest year was 2020 into 2021. And we made like 150 pounds of toffee and spiced pecans. And we have different varieties, vegan that doesn't use butter and the other ones uh, that do use butter. We have an orange flavor toffee. Um, so we've really expanded. And the orange flavor, interestingly enough, relates to a little former president or something. <laughs> yes, or just... exactly. A very little. He should remain little. Uh, but yes, in 2020, I, you maybe remember this word when there was there were lots of things. And then people call them malapropisms, which you know you say the wrong word at the wrong time. And one of them was the word kafefe, which nobody knew what the former and to remain former everlastingly um, ex <laughs> yes. uh, president called, he said that word, nobody knew what it meant. So when we put out our toffee that holiday season, once he had already lost, we called our, we inaugurated this new flavor, this orange infused flavor, and we called it Bye Bye 45 Toffee Fay. <laughs> Reclaim the orange. <laughs> <laughs> and actually it was a ridiculously 
huge hit. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It's we a good gift. I would right. be giving you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we extended our, our holiday season through the inauguration so that people could enjoy this uh, reclaiming of orange uh, throughout the uh, inauguration season. <laughs> and now we've reclaimed the name and we just call it irresistible. Yes. Now, one question I have for you is looking back, right? You said you've been doing this for 15 years now, right? You've been selling them for 15 years. Did you ever imagine that it would get to this point? Do you ever, ever, like, do you sometimes look at it and say, oh my God, we're actually, we've actually are selling these. We always look at it and say, oh my God, this is so much work to make a hundred X pounds of, of this stuff. Um, but we know that people love it and it's become a thing. It's become a tradition. We have lots of people who order again and again, you know, and say, oh, I'm sending to the same people. You have their address from last year. <laughs> and uh, I was just talking to some woman uh, the other day who said, thanks for making my holiday shopping easier. So I think we're in it. It comes from a place of love, right? I think that's probably how it started and now it yes. continues because everyone's looking forward to it. Yes. I totally yes. get it because I love to cook and I love to give people food. I'm a food blogger. Okay. Uh, so so that's what I do whenever someone loves something that you do yeah. and you just want to keep making it for them because yeah. you love the fact that it makes them feel good, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, this was something that we would do inside of a, a few days at first, you know. And it was just, you know, my usual holiday thing. It was like, oh, I'm home, so I'm gonna make the little holiday treats that I make. And the, you know, the house would be full of boxes and all these tins and things like that for a few days. And at first we I don't know, we made like sixteen pounds, I think, the the first year. And then we made 32 pounds the next year. And it sort of kept doubling. 32, wow. Now now our our house looks like a handy factory. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a big job. It I is mean, a big you job. Know, you know, it's so Pat sort of, Pat heads up the creating of it, but there's a lot of stuff that I jump in to help with because it's too many, it's too big of a project. And, yeah. and then there's all the shipping and the packaging, which we also like. I don't know if you feel that way as a food <laughs> blogger, like it matters how it looks when it arrives yeah. to people. And absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what makes them want to continue to buy and to yeah. gift it because you yes. don't want to give something that doesn't look good, but yeah. maybe the next step is like shark tank or something. Get yourself <laughs> one, of the, one of the sharks. It's <laughs> 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 not Mr. Wonderful. Like, you know, some Sometimes he scares me, but yes, maybe. Shark I don't know Tank. which one of those is Mr. Wonderful, but they're oh, all pretty scary. He's, he's very um, direct. And like, if he doesn't like what you're doing, he'll say like, you're like a cockroach. I can step on you. Wow. <laughs> but but he's, he's a very emotional guy. Yeah. yeah. He's emotional at the same time. Sometimes <laughs> he'll actually cry when somebody comes on and tells a really sad story. Uh -huh. um, so, but, but, you know, he would never say that about your product. I'm sure of that. Uh, but yes, who knows? Maybe this is going to grow more. You never know. Uh, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now I want to get into the music. Sandy and Pat, I've seen you both twice. And um, you had Keep Georgia Blue with live streams. And it really relates to your 20 years of social activism, peace, and putting that into songs. So I'm just wondering, for people that don't know, where did the name Emma's Revolution come from? And you were both solo artists at first. So what led you to the path of social activism in your lives and putting into your music? Oh, there's a lot of questions in that statement. So let me see. First of all, um, we're named for Emma Goldman, 
And Emma Goldman lived from 1869 to 1940. She came to the U.S. from Lithuania, a fierce defender of the rights of women, the rights of workers. And she was uh, an anti-militarist. And, you know, she was involved in the very early, very violent days of the labor movement and spoke up about the, the rights of workers at a, you know, at a time that was really dangerous to speak up about those things. And she wrote extensively and toured and spoke on the issues of her time. But as is the way with history in our country, she's best known for this moment where she was dancing at a party. And her colleagues felt somehow this behavior was too frivolous for, uh, you know, a serious author and activist and an academic like Emma Goldman. So as she said that, you know, everyone has the right to free expression and to beautiful, radiant things. But it came down through history as her having said, in essence, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. She was part of the early anarchist movement. And, uh, you know, a very, very outspoken person in that movement. So, you know, this rather trivial part of her own experience as an activist has been the thing that's been most uh, lifted up. But we also thought, you know, it kind of spoke to the music that we do. You know, we we talk about these very serious events and serious issues and want people to understand the details of those. And at the same time, we want to leave them with the understanding and the, the feeling of hope and possibility so that, you know, there's room for us to make real change in our lifetime on those issues. So we thought that that, uh, you know, let people know that we were women doing this kind of music. It also let people know that there was certainly a political element to what we do, but also that there was an element of celebration. Yeah. And I love that you brought it up in the context of, you know, talking about Warnock's win, because actually we have a, a newsletter and I took a bit, I saw a bit of what he said in his victory speech. I, I watched his speech. It was beautiful. Um, and then he also said this thing about let's take this moment to celebrate on the mountaintop. And I'm paraphrasing. And he said, let's dance tonight. And tomorrow we get down in the valley and work. And what I thought about, what's beautiful about that is that he really got what Emma Goldman was about, which is that we're going to do both. We need the joyful energy. We need to celebrate all the work we've done. And then we need to get right back in there and keep going. And from that, that just made me think like, since Belky is Dominican, maybe some Dominican music, some Latin music, you know, maybe we can yeah. shape that way or just something like that. I don't know if you know any dances, Belky, but I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to put you as a stereotype. But I just oh, thought, God, oh, I, Latin. I, I love to dance. I, I love it. Like I dance by myself here with my husband's not home. I just play music and dance around the house. I cook dancing. It's really ridiculous. But yes. <laughs> yes, I find myself dancing in like supermarkets and stuff. And I'm thinking, why am I doing that? Oh, because they're playing the music, you know, it's on in the background you know, and there's space. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And at the gym, I'm like, you know, running and I'm like, boo, boo, boo. Like yeah. at the same time, it's I can't help it. That's great. <laughs> what about you, Larnell? Are you a dancer? Um, well, let's just say the way my dances are, they're more like autistic stemming since I'm autistic and, mm -hmm. and I would be more like feeling the music, you know, because I felt your stuff like mm -hmm. when I was at your last concert in St. Pete. Now, before we get into your song, I just want to ask this too as well. With social activism and music, there's triumphs to that mm -hmm. and then there's drawbacks to that. So I want to know like throughout the 20 years for both you and Pat and Pat, you can start first or Sandy or however you want to do it. What have been the drawbacks and what have been the triumphs through your 20 years of doing this type of music? 
We have been, for one thing, and, and I'm glad you mentioned St. Pete, because for many years we would come down to Florida after we went to a very large demonstration that happened in Georgia every year, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And it was a mass gathering. Um, the first year we went, there were 10,000 people there. And so it would range 10,000, 8,000. And every and year- 20, it actually, And 20,000. Yeah, okay. it was at 20,000. 20, uh -huh. And people were gathering there to draw attention to an army training school that we pay for with our tax dollars that trains Latin American soldiers to commit atrocities in their own country and to knock down duly elected governments, to kill organizers and activists. Uh, it's a really horrible training school called, it was called the School of the Americas. It's now called Western Hemispheric Institute for Security Cooperation. That is not the kind of cooperation I want to support. And so we were part of um, a team of musicians who would perform throughout the weekend. And we did that for probably 15, 16, yeah. 18 years, something like that. And so the drawback or what you're saying about living into a situation where we don't have an instant change, right? But some things have changed and more and more attention has been brought to that school so much that they had to change their name because this organization and these activists started calling them the school of the assassins, which they were. And there were many bills that have been continually put up in Congress to get that school shut down. And a lot of work between the activists here in the U.S. and activists in Central and South America to make sure that all the activists knew that we knew what was going on and that we could support each other. So even when that school is not shut down yet, that demonstration is at the border now because those uh, Latin American soldiers being trained in Georgia still are now being part of what kind of border patrol and border assaults that we're seeing, our border and that other borders along the way. So that issue isn't resolved, but going every year and being part of drawing attention to it and working steadily to shut it down is one of the victories. We're not there yet, but we keep doing it because we know that you have to. What else will we do? Just give up? We're not going to give up. Yeah, more and more people know about that school now because of all of the years of activism. The other thing that, you know, that was sort of a triumph that's come out of that is that some of the organizing went back to the countries who were sending students, were sending soldiers to train there. And they went country by country throughout Central and South America and told countries about what was really going on there. And when they actually heard the story about the real things that these students that they were sending were learning, they actually one by one refused to send students there. So, it, you know, it made a really big impact. You know, it's an ongoing struggle for sure. And largely the struggle has been focused now out of Georgia and at the border, which of course we know is a really tangled mess of you know, U.S. policy and all of the kinds of things that cause folks to make that terribly dangerous journey to the U.S. Just like the civil rights struggle, nobody thought that they were going to win tomorrow. They knew that they were in it for the long haul, and they knew nothing was going to remain as it was as long as people stayed in the work, and, yeah. uh, and the work continued. And so it goes. But you know, we have to be like undercover. Uh, like literally undercover. Like I don't talk politics here at all. Wow. Um, it's wow. kind of, I feel like I would be in danger. Wow. Like, I, you know, you'll see, you see the flags, you know, you, you can tell who's a Democrat and who's a Republican here. Oh, yeah. It's very clear most of the time. And I don't know what the word is, but they are very proud. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because 
I have two boys, one's 13 and one's 15. Both are on the spectrum. One is nonverbal, which is my 13-year-old, but my 15-year-old is high-functioning. And he now associates the flag or if someone's waving a flag in front of their home mm-hmm. as they are a Trumper, like that is immediately what he thinks. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, when did our flag become this? Mm-hmm. When yeah. does displaying our flag yeah. change to have a completely different connotation, especially for these younger kids growing up? Right. Yeah. So for us, it wasn't like that until, you know, who orange guy yeah. um, became who he became. And it's just really sad, you know, that I feel like I don't want to put my flag up because now I don't want people to think that I am a Republican. Right. It's very, it's just very bizarre. The whole, the whole thing is just sad and bizarre. Yeah. You know, it's unleashed all of this hatred behind things that should be national. You know, we've been in immigration demonstrations and the people carrying the flags are people who've just gotten here and say, this is where I want it to be. Right. And they're proud that they've, yeah. that they're in what they hoped was going to be this land of the free. And so it is indeed sad. From this, I want to segue into a song that you're going to do for us here <laughs> on the show. So what type of song are you going to do for us? Well, we were thinking of the song because it's it's kind of, um, for us, it touches on the seasonal theme, but it also touches on the political theme a little bit even more than the seasonal theme. And it really works with what we were just talking about. This song is a song that Pat wrote um, when we were going to be singing at a, a Unitarian Universalist church. And they said to us, you know, would you pick a song out of the hymnal? And sometimes when you ask songwriters to do that, we pick a song out of a, a new place. The strength of the song is about reclaiming the beauty of both the light and the dark, the dark and the light. The place that we were going to be singing uh, actually was a building that we learned that had been constructed by people who were newly freed from slavery. And I was so, so moved just knowing that. Um, And I thought about the ways in which white supremacy is embedded in in so many places in our culture. And it's particularly uh, embedded in in our language, so much so that we, we don't even notice how much we associate, you know, light with good and dark with bad. And I just thought, this is one tiny little way that we can flip the script on that particular sort of invisible form of white supremacy. It's called Better Days. Okay, so here's um, Better Days by um, Emma's Revolution. So take it away. All right. Just make sure I'm in tune with that.
we are born. In the dark we are fed. In the dark we connect. In the dark through the veil we are held. In the dark we are healed. In the dark mysteries. In the dark we reveal. Let us sing for today. Let us learn better ways. Showing love in the dark, giving hope. In the dark, we create. In the dark, better days. Time is now. We begin where we are. We begin, we have all. We begin that we need to renew. We begin to rebuild. We begin to, we begin to believe. Let us sing for today. Let us learn better ways. Showing love, we begin giving hope. We begin, we create. We begin better days. Let us sing for today. Let us learn better ways. That was Emma's Revolution with Better Days here on the Autistic Delicatessen. Man, I like the harmonies in that. <laughs> I'm sure, Belki, you were liking that too as oh well. Oh my huh? God, I, I wanted to cry, actually. <laughs> I'm a crier. I cry a lot. <laughs> I, I get very emotional. I feel very deeply. Um, I'm a cancer, so it's like it's one of those things. But it, it's just beautifully written. It's almost like a love song for hope, mm. right? That's it's a lovely, long, That's like, a lovely way to put that. Wow. Yeah, like that is how I felt. Like, like I can listen to that all the time. I can uh, listen to the song, walk around my house, and just sing it all along. Uh, Not as well as you guys, but definitely, <laughs> it's just beautiful, beautiful. If you're ever here in Arizona, I need to know. We so, are here in yeah, Arizona. Sometimes yeah, there in Arizona. There. I, I, I love that you said it was a love song for hope. We that's might really need to beautiful. quote you on that, because that's beautiful. <laughs> you know what I also loved about singing that when we started singing. Come in the light, the light behind you. You were just in a wash of light. Yes, it was amazing. It's interesting because I've been fighting the sun. It decided to right. really be on me today. I don't know what's going on. No, um, it was perfect. It was right when we sang the word. I was like, this is great. It was really, I yeah. Was yeah, there you go. Up. So it's like that omen, like, you know, <laughs> I, I think we're going to get there. You know, we're going to get there. It's just going to take us some time. But if we all join in together, and help others come to the light, mm. right? We can have a much better future. 
yeah. in this country. Yeah, so, and honoring the strength of the dark and the beauty of the dark and the power of the dark yeah. as we, yeah, yeah, as we do. Before we go, um, Sandy and Pat, how should people purchase your um holiday treats? You know, like um, on your site. So if we get an email from you saying that you heard us on the Autistic Delicatessen, we will take your order. So our website is emmasrevolution.com, and there will be a page there that says Sweet Revolution Treats or Holiday Treats, something like that. But what we do also have coming up tomorrow is uh, the first of our Season of Peace concerts. And we have two online concerts, one on Sunday, December 11th, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and everything in between. And the second one is Sunday, uh, December 18th at the same time. And those are uh, online concerts that we started doing last year with uh, many of our fabulous activist songwriter friends. Everyone will be coming together to sing, to share a song of the season. So we'll have about seven guests uh, for tomorrow's show and eight for next Sunday's. And we would love to see folks there. We also do a bunch of other live and online performances, and we'll have all of that on our concert page. Sandy and Pat of Emma's Revolution, thank you so much for coming on to the Autistic Delicatessen and not just telling us about like your good holiday toffees right there, <laughs> but also like giving us inspiration and some good like social consciousness to know that again, better days are ahead. Absolutely. Very uplifting, just just a wonderful time. I, I'm so excited that that I was here for this. Thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you really both. It was it. lovely yes. to be with you. That was Emma's Revolution here on the Autistic Delicatessen. So, Belki, what did you think about the conversation? It was insightful. It was inspiring. I loved the song. I'm definitely going to be downloading that. It, it was just amazing. I'm so thankful that I was here for this. And also, too, the very fact of what they're doing and at the same time making toffees, though. It's interesting <laughs> how Pat was mentioned about, like, the whole Heath candy. You know, the Heath candy combina- yes. you know, combinations there. Um, have you ever had Heath candy? Yes, I have, but I'm not a big sweets person, so I can't say that I've had a lot of it. I try candies here and there, but no, it's really amazing. And just just the fact that they started this without even thinking that it would become a business at some point. So I see the sky's the limit. You see, they're very sweet women, and then they have a very sweet company, and then (laughs) they have a sweet song. Like Everything is just amazing about them. So I am just so happy that I know about them now. It's just, it's just great. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so inspired. So I know offhand, Belki, you're also a brand marketer. So mm-hmm. um, from listening to them with their brand of their toffee, as well as their music, how would you categorize them or how would you see them like going out there and selling their product? Well, you know, I'm a firm believer that you don't attach a product to politics or any kind of view from the people who make it. Right. So therefore, I would say market how good the toffee is. And that's what I would focus on. Because if you think about it, you know how the whole thing happened with Chick-fil-A that the owners, I guess they were not, you know, yeah, for traditional marriage, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like all that. And that really hurt the brand for a while. And I still hear people talk about it. So that's why I feel like those things should be completely separate from one another. So that's my two cents in it. Like they should start, they should if they could, right? If they decide they want to make it even bigger and then go from there. But just, you know, they can tell their story and who they are and what they do, but not market it with the toffee. 
It's more ah. about us. Like, you know, how you see a, about us section. Yes. And you can talk about yourselves there, but then you're not going places, you know, pushing the product and talking about other things other than the product. Ah, okay. Interesting perspective though. Yeah. Although I did like the irresistible with the orange thing. I did like that. You know, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of the things I forgot to ask them though was, can we get some of that toffee though? But, oh, well. I'm well they, they said you could send her an email. Yeah, we'll send it to you if you want to place an order. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm definitely going to look into it. And, and I know that they're really, really booked up, which is great, right, for them for the season. So I might wait till January and then I maybe even do that for like Valentine's Day for some friends because I would, mm. I would like to absolutely gift it. Now, before we go, Belki, you also have a book out that's called Familia Kitchen Cookbook. And you yeah. were recently on a book tour. So um, yeah. is there any more book tours planned? for? Um, even- we're, we're taking a hiatus right now. And then we're going to continue next year in January. Um, so we might go to other cities or maybe do more television spots. I'm not in every single thing. Like they were just in Florida on a TV show doing a segment, like a cooking segment. A couple of the recipes in the book were in there. So I'm not involved in every single one, thank God, because it's a few authors. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be really, really, really busy. But yeah, I, I actually really recommend it. It's called the Familia Kitchen Cookbook, and it's recipes from all over Latin America. I believe it's like 20, 22 countries. So just imagine, and there's several recipes for each country. There's a picture for every single recipe, so you know what you're looking for it to look like. It's amazing. I highly recommend it if you can get it for Christmas as a Christmas gift too. Hey, Limitless. <laughs> yes. And also too, like I mean, you have a book that you were a part of called For the Love of Autism, talking about the connection between you and your son, you know, 13-year-old son. So if people well, want to find more- Who was there? A co-author was Temple Grandin. Oh, Temple Grandin. Interesting. Well, okay. Author in the book as well. So I was very humbled to be in her presence and such a nice lady. Oh, yes. So if people want to know anything more about the cookbook as well as that book, they go onto your website, BelkiesTwist.com, right? Yes. And what's wonderful to say about the autism book, uh, For the Love of Autism, and you can get that one on Amazon. Oh, okay. um, And you can also, I believe they have a PDF version. I can't remember, ebook version too, Uh um, is that it's not just stories of autism from, let's say, a caregiver perspective. It's also from an educator perspective, from a therapist, you know, uh, perception of that from uh, the actual person that has autism, like all these different point of views that you get in this book. So it's not, it's almost like an education. So it's, it's wonderful. I think it's a, it's a really great book and it's a good gift also. And it's about, you know, awareness, right? Spreading awareness. And also too, I want to mention one thing, the producer of this um, show, Bat Sauce, who's done the theme music as well as the other in-between musics for our show, has a book out called Portraits in Jazz. So definitely check that out. Yeah, I got um, too. Oh, oh, you like jazz too as well? Oh, I, I love I love all music. I am a music lover. I listen to music in other languages, even though I have no idea what they're saying. It's all about the melody. It's all about the feeling of the music. Even in my eye. Well, now it's an, it used to be iPods when I was younger. Okay, so I'm dating myself here. <laughs> now it's on the phones, right? But I create lists, and every list has a mood. So let's say if I'm having a sad day, I actually have a playlist for my sad day. I have a playlist for the gym. I have a playlist for for everything. So it's it's very interesting. So I have 
I mean, Italian, Portuguese, I have everything in there. <laughs> and it's because I listen to so many different types of music and I just find the song. They have apps where you hear the song and you put the phone up to it and it tells you what the song is. And then I download it. It's part of my, you know, my playlist. So it's fun. Yeah, so definitely get portraits and jazz. Like if you want to have it as your stocking stuffer for Christmas, um, you can go on to fullplate.bandcamp.com. Please also check out our YouTube shows with me and my co-host Oni. You can also check it out at theampleverse.com slash the-autistic-delicatessen as well as the podcast. So definitely check it out there. Until next time, folks, what you eat and what you drink is your story. Mm-hmm.